Good morning. You know, I'm a, I'm a transplant too, but I uh, enjoyed, like Caleb, the snow. You know, I was out at 5.30 this morning shoveling my sidewalks before people walked on it. And uh, it's so quiet. I, I, I love that, you know, peaceful uh, lack of sound, I guess. And even when a car goes by, you don't hear it. So uh, enjoyed it and, and great. Hey, I wanted to remind you, right now media, we've, we've been talking about it for months, and it's a reminder that, hey, Caleb and the youth group has been using it on Wednesday nights. Some of our discipleship groups are using it. But one of the big reasons why we as a church want to, you to have it is for you to use it on your own, in your own individual time, daily time. And it's just a reminder to do that. To do that. And if you have any questions about how to do that, well, then come, come see me. Um, I have enjoyed this series on the Holy Spirit for two reasons. One of which... Is just that you know we we talk about scripture and I've had an opportunity to study texts and you know I even went to school for that uh, but I feel like a weakness of mine is is just knowing how the spirit works and so this series and the length of the series is helping us I think and it's helping me and and I believe secondly the the most important reason is that I believe the work of the spirit is the most important characteristic in the life of a disciple and so as we strive to be good disciples, uh, we need to understand uh, the Spirit. So today I'm going to be talking about listening to the Spirit. Patrick is, is gone, and we were talking about, well, what, what should I do in between, you know, for this week? And a little more practical, a little bit, you know, he's been studying it. We're in Acts now. We're going to look at a few scriptures in Acts where you see the Spirit leading the early church, and then we're going to talk about how he does that and how he can do that in our lives. So some people may say that when you start talking about listening to the Spirit, it's a little bit controversial. I don't think so. But if you think so, if I say anything today that's a little bit controversial to you, then send an email to patrick at woodburychurch.org. All right, he would, he would love to hear from you about that. Um, I wanna, I'm gonna say a prayer right before we, before we continue. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can be here together. Um, Father, we are thankful for your spirit uh, that lives within us, that encourages each of us as brothers and sisters to not only stay close to you, but also to encourage one another. And I pray that you will speak uh, to me and through me this morning, and I pray that you will work in the hearts of those here present with us and those watching the recording. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you noticed the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit? One of the ways I have noticed this is with new Christians. So in Thailand, my experience there, here in St. Paul with the Hmong people, you have two different cultures of people that are very far from our culture and a culture of one God. And yet when they become Christians, and they do it because of the Spirit working in their heart, John 16, 8, right? He's, he's doing that in, the, in their hearts to bring them to that point. It's not, you can't convince, when you can't speak the language well or anything like that, and it's so different from their culture, and yet they choose to follow Jesus, it is because of the Spirit working in their hearts. And then as new Christians, they have a maturity about them many times that says, hey, I, I know that I need to do this as a disciple, and I know that I should not do this as a disciple. And sometimes I'm, 
I don't know why, but I, I get amazed at, man, they're brand new Christians and they have a good wisdom about following God in their early Christian life. That's because we receive the Holy Spirit at the time of our conversion. Uh, and we see it that way. So listening to the Spirit, uh, it, it's a characteristic in people that does not come from education. It does not come uh, through education, but through practice. It's not about logic. It's not about superstition. It's God at work in our lives today. And one thing that I want to make sure that I say today is that we better not educate the Holy Spirit right out of our lives. In other words, we can, we can talk about it and we can read the scriptures. And in some ways, we, through a knowledge, we forget that the Spirit is actually at work in our daily lives. And sometimes we depend on the knowledge rather than the Spirit working. And then he loses that active part. All right, four passages in Acts. There's several. You could, I could have come up with dozens, but I just listed these four. The first one in Acts chapter 1, 23 through 26. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us, show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. All right, now I'm just going to read these. I'm going to let you look at how they're depending on the Spirit and how the Spirit is guiding and leading them. I'm not going to comment about them. A comment will come later. All right, Acts 13, 2 and 3. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So the Holy Spirit told them while they were praying and fasting. Next passage, Acts chapter 15, verse 28 and 29. Now, now you remember Acts just chapter 15, the Jews have become Christians and now the Gentiles have become Christians. And that's them meeting together has caused a problem. So they write this, the Jewish Christians write this letter to the Gentile Christians. And here's the end of the letter. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. So it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, the apostles write in their letter. All right, and the last one, Acts chapter 16, 6 through 10. A couple of slides, several different things going on here. Next, Paul and Silas, Trout, this is their first missionary journey. Next, Paul and Silas, second actually, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. And then verse 9, that night, Paul had a vision a man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach 
the good news there. So you see the Holy Spirit prevented them. The Spirit of Jesus again stopped them. And then they get a vision. And then they decide and conclude that the Holy Spirit is calling them to Macedonia. It doesn't give us details about how that happened. It doesn't say whether these passages where the Holy Spirit points out people or appoints people or calls or stops them. It doesn't say if that's audible. It doesn't say if that's an inner feeling. It doesn't give us those kinds of details. But the Holy Spirit was working. Edward Fudge, a longtime preacher in Churches of Christ, grew up in Churches of Christ, became a preacher, later became an attorney, lived in Alabama, lived in St. Louis, Missouri, lived in Houston, Texas. Uh, I've heard him speak. I've read, read some of his books. And he has one book called The Sound of His Voice where he's wrestling with this, you know, how does the Holy Spirit speak to us and how do we hear him? And in one of the chapters, he calls it an inner nudge. And he tells two stories. Uh, the first story is he's, he has moved from St. Louis, Missouri back to Alabama. He is preaching there and he's at home Sunday afternoon sitting in his recliner and he can't help but feel sense that God wants him to go around to his little cul-de-sac and hand out some little booklets and knock some doors in his little cul-de-sac and he's he's laying he's sitting there and he's thinking eh, and then it, it, but he just it doesn't go away so he decides to go do it he's like I don't know why so he's walking he's praying he's knocking on these doors you know and I think one door they're not home or one door they don't want to talk to him and you know and then so he keeps praying he's going to the next door and he's like God is, is I mean is it Am I just wasting my time? Did you speak to me? Did I that sense? Did I sense you, or was that something else? He goes to another door. Well, then one of the doors he goes to, a man's in there. He's smoking a cigarette. He invites him in, and the man says, "I went to church this morning, and I wanted to be baptized." And the pastor there said, "I couldn't until I quit smoking and turned my life around." Uh, and Edward Fudge said. Okay, you know, I don't see that in Scripture. You know, if God wants you to quit smoking, he'll, he'll help you do that later. But if you want to be baptized and you want to, con, you know, con, have a conversion to follow Jesus, we could do that right now. And so he does. So he concludes then, you know, because of that, that this was God telling him. And why? Well, it wasn't about Edward Fudge, but it was about this man who wanted to become a Christian and was not uh, was, was guided not to do so. Second story, now he's later in life, now he's an attorney, he's living in Houston, Texas, and a man comes into his office, the man had been hit by a school bus that ran a stop sign, and in the process of trying to get money and hospital bills paid and stuff, the, the school bus company was not doing it. The man also had MS, he had lots of problems in his life, and after talking with the man, Edward Fudge, had this strong sense that he needed to not only pray with him, but go put his hand on his shoulder and pray with him. And Edward Fudge says, I don't, I don't think that or feel that very often, especially as, as an attorney in my office when I'm talking business with somebody. But he could not stop thinking about that. And so he does. And the man, he said this, he, he talks longer about this man's character is, is something else. He's got a foul mouth. He's very negative. He's very bitter about many things in life, not only MS, but not only the school bus, but a lot of other things. And he said, he asks him, 
you know, I, I feel like I should pray with you. Would it be okay if I put my hand on your shoulder and pray with you? And, and he does. The man says, okay. And he does. And then the, the man with MS just started, you know, breaking down and kind of relaying his life story and how he's, he's been wanting to get closer to God and doesn't know how. And, it, and so it starts from there. So again, these two stories... It reminds me, you know, I remember Patrick in a lesson, Nick Meyer, one of our members, who's just an electrician, was at a, a customer's office, and the, the woman was there, and Nick had this feeling that he needed to pray with her, and Nick said, I've never felt that before, I've never had that desire, you know, when I'm on the job, to, but he did, and the woman, you know, breaks down. So, God will do that. Um, now, you may say, well, God's never spoke to me that way. And I would like to say that it's not, the Spirit leading us in those ways is not about spiritual maturity as much as it is God's desire to speak. So this isn't about Edward Fudge, these stories. This is about God wanting to speak to that young man on the cul-de-sac who's wanting to follow him. This is about God wanting to speak to that young man in his office who has MS, who is needing God, who is hurting and can't find out how to get to God. That's when God speaks. Um, you know, and I think, so again, it's not about spiritual maturity, but there is maybe some growth that we can do in practice. I had a, before I moved back here last year, I drove a 1988 Ford truck. Uh, I loved it, all right? Uh, I didn't bring it up because it would not have been good in the snow and it it got about eight miles to the gallon. Um, but I could hear when it needed some more oil. I could smell when it needed some coolant added. And I could feel when it needed some transmission fluid added. So my point is, is that you don't have to be a great mechanic. So a great mechanic can, you know, you can take your car to him and he can listen to it or drive it and he probably knows what's wrong with it. Okay, because he's had that experience over and over and over again in many different ways. I'm not a great mechanic, but you can be trained to notice certain signs and pay attention to certain sounds. My son, I'm not going to tell you which one, but my son, on the other hand, he has no idea. I borrowed his truck one day and I drove it. And I was like, this thing is about to fall apart. What's wrong with this? And, you know, he just drives it back and forth. He doesn't. You know, he's, he's oblivious to that. He's not listening. He's not paying attention to sounds and signs. And I'm afraid somehow, sometimes that's how we can be with the Holy Spirit. We're not listening. We're, we're not even thinking about it. It's not on our radar. And when it's not, then we don't hear. Um, Tina has an example. I was talking with her about this lesson this week and, you know, and telling her what, you know, and we were praying about it. And, and she gave an example like this that might speak to some of you uh, in a greater way. So her example is she can listen to a symphony, full symphony orchestra, and she can't necessarily hear the clarinet or the flute or some of those instruments, but she can always hear the piano, and she can always know what the piano's part is. And that's because she was trained on the piano. She learned how to play the piano. And once you learn, I, get, I don't know, play any instruments, but once you learn how to do that, now you can hear it because you've got that 
knowledge, you've got that experience, you've, you've had that practice. And then she can hear the, the whole symphony and she can hear that piano and know what part it's playing. And she can't identify that with other parts because she doesn't have that skill or that experience. And I think that's sometimes how it is on, uh, with us and the Holy Spirit. We have to be listening and we have to practice and again, it's not about the spiritual maturity of you or Edward Fudge or someone who the Spirit uses to speak to someone else. God spoke through Abraham, and Abraham was a liar. God spoke through Moses, and he was a murderer. And God spoke through David, and he was an adulterer. And later, Jesus used tax collectors and prostitutes and political zealots so it's not, it's not about the person who the Holy Spirit is speaking to. It's about the person that he's wanting to speak to, wanting to encourage, wanting to uh, help. God still speaks through his spirit today. Uh, if there's anything I want you to, you know, come away with today, that it's this, that he still does it and he still does it today. Some people say that you cannot believe in scripture as the authority and still believe that the Holy Spirit still speaks today because those two things don't always go together. And I believe they do. I, I don't, I don't, there's no reason why it has to be an either or. They're somehow, that they are, people believe that they are somehow mutually exclusive. You either are going to count on scripture as God speaking in your authority or you're going to count on something else. And I don't believe that's true. I don't believe it has to be either or. So, ways that God speaks to us today, I'm going to look at a few just very briefly. God definitely speaks through the Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. So, you know, Patrick, when he started this breath, Hebrew and Greek, that the Spirit is. Scripture is inspired. Scripture is God-breathed. Um, and it doesn't matter if we're reading it, if we're remembering what we read, if we're hearing it read, the Spirit can speak to us through Scripture, definitely. Now, two caveats, two more Scriptures. John 5, 39, Jesus says, you search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. And so in that, he's telling the Pharisees who know the scriptures backwards and forwards, you're still missing it. Yes, you know that you have this knowledge, but you're not hearing it. It's the, the scriptures are very important, but they speak to you about me. Uh, and then the next passage is 2 Peter 3, 15 and 16. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him speaking of these things in all his letters and then verse 16 some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of scripture and this will result in their destruction so I do value God's word as the supreme authority but it's not the printed page that I value. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through that printed page because people can twist the printed page. Maybe we've done that at times. Maybe we've been taught in a way that uh, is not true, just like 
uh, Peter is saying here about Paul's writings. My confidence is in the Holy Spirit, not the printed page. God speaks to us through prayer, which I will emphasize in a moment. So, so God speaks to us through Scripture, the Bible. God speaks to us through prayer. Next, God speaks to us through our circumstances and through our experiences. So, uh, circumstances. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm thinking about a particular person. I, I can't, I'm over and over again, and I don't usually think about this person. Uh, and then I come to church, and I talk with someone who mentions that person. So what do I do? I'm like, hmm, I better be listening, you know. And so I meet with that person, and I have a long visit with them and a long talk with them. It's someone who has not been coming to church for a long time, but I believe they're open to doing that again. Through experiences, when I went to the Philippines for three months, I thought, I'm just doing that to gain the experience. But while I was there, I believe God told me, no, I want you to do mission work. Uh, and that experience spoke to me, that God spoke to me in that experience. All right, now, God speaks to us also through dreams. It's all over scripture. You can go through scripture and see all kinds of uh, occasions for this. God's spoken to me through dreams, you know, a few times. Uh, so just uh, to calm your fears, I'll tell you about a couple of them. So uh, I just moved up here, uh, you know, years ago, and I was fasting and I was praying and I had this dream and it was a simple dream. It was a blackboard and chalk and it was 2 Timothy 2.7. It was vivid. I woke up. I had that picture in my mind. I remembered it. So I wrote it down. I went back to sleep. The next day I got up and I read 2 Timothy 2.7. You know what 2 Timothy 2.7 says? 2 Timothy 2.7 says, if you remember this, God will give you insight into these things. And that's all it says. But I, when, I, when I was thinking of that verse, I was also thinking of an old friend. And, and, and so they were in my dream. They were both together. And it's like, you need to tell him that verse. And then I read that verse. And I was like, well, that's not, what is that? That doesn't mean anything. And so, I, you know, I was like, well, do I call him and tell him this silly verse that doesn't say anything? So I did. I called him, I, I gave him this verse, I said, uh, Eddie, I think, you know, you're, I don't know, you, I'm just going to give you the verse and then you see what it says. Well, he said, okay, thank you. He calls me back a couple of days later and turns out uh, Eddie was a, a minister who had been thinking about leaving the ministry and I didn't know it at the time because I hadn't had contact with him in years and he said, when I went to that verse, the verse didn't really mean anything but in the margin of my Bible, beside that verse, I had written something years and years ago that convicted me again and encouraged me to stay in. So what is that? That is God wanting to speak to Eddie. Uh, another verse, this one, uh, you'll, you'll understand is, is, you know, of course, we've already said, if God uses you in this way, if you sent something to the Holy Spirit, it's nothing important about you. This one is another dream I had. And in my dream, I was speaking. I don't know where it was. It was a church building I didn't really recognize. Uh, but I was speaking, and I thought, man, this is one of the greatest sermons you've ever preached. In my dream, I'm saying it. And, and, and the verse, Luke 18, 2. 
is coming. And I'm preaching about Luke 18, verse 2, and I'm thinking, this is one of those. The next morning I get up and I read Luke 18, 2. And Luke 18 is a parable talking about the woman that keeps coming to pray. And, and the judge is there, and she, he doesn't want to pay attention to her. And, and so Luke 18, 2 convicted me because it said there's a judge in a certain city that neither cares about God or about man. And then this woman in the story, and it was, it was a time, this was years after the first example I gave you. We were living here on the west side of St. Paul. And my wife and I were having a hard time, and we'd been having a lot of arguments for a couple of weeks. And the Holy Spirit convicted me that I was wrong. And so I got to tell Tina uh, and tell her I'm sorry and tell her uh, I told her what happened and, and I just, you know, told her that, that I need to change. And, and since then, I've been a perfect husband. Uh, she's not here to deny that. <laughs> All right, um, God speaks to us through people as well. Um, I've learned a great deal through my Christian brothers and sisters uh, all of my life. Um, one thing you need to consider when you're thinking about God speaking to us in all of these ways is that God may do this. He may say something to you. He may lead you in a way that doesn't make any sense to you. See, and now that, that, that's where we really struggle, I think. Uh, but Saul went out to look for donkeys in the Old Testament. He finds Samuel, and then Samuel says, wants you to become king. Philip is told to go down to a desert road and then go to stand near a chariot where he meets the Ethiopian, who God wants to uh, convert. God sends Ananias to visit Saul of Tarsus. Ananias is like, I don't want to go visit that guy. He sends Peter to a Gentile house of Cornelius, which was against their religion to go inside of a Gentile house. Uh, he told Noah to build an ark when it hadn't even rained. I mean, God will tell us some things. We have to at least be open to whatever God tells us because he may tell us something that doesn't make sense, but... Uh, later it will and when we're talking about that most of the time it's going to be something that's constructive and encouraging occasionally he'll tell you something that may confront yourself or someone else but it'll not be hey God told me to tell you this I, I don't think that's the way he works uh, my son Zeke asked me one time uh, about three years ago he said how do you know when it is God speaking uh, and I just said, first of all, you have to be open to whatever it is, he says. Because if you're not open, then you may not hear, and you're going to doubt when it actually may be him. I said, secondly, you must be willing to do whatever he says. Because if you're not willing to do whatever he says, you may not get to the point where he wants you to be to go further. So you have to, you have to be open. You have to be willing to obey whatever it is. Listen to him. And third, then you pray and ask him to confirm it or make it clear. See, I don't, if, you, if you have doubts, you just pray. I mean, Gideon did that, right? 
hey, God, confirm. Oh, I, I, no, I'm not. We'll confirm. He does. If you are seeking God and you are sensing something and you're not sure about it, if you just ask God to confirm it and make it clear, he will. Somebody will come to you the next day or the next week. Or you'll, something else will, you know, and, and I can give you lots of examples in my life where he's done that, but that's not important. He'll do that with you as well. All right, so one thing when we're talking about this, people sometimes bring up, well, what about false teaching? You know, can somebody say it's the Spirit leading them and it's actually false? Well, 1 John, two verses, 1 John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. So yes, there are many false prophets, but it doesn't say that's a reason to say, okay, God doesn't, it just says test them. And the next verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21 says, Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. So when it says do not scoff at prophecies, see, I think sometimes in my life I had done that. I'd said, ah, man, that, you know. No. Paul says do not scoff at prophecies. Test everything. And then he says, hold on to what is good. If you test it and it proves to be not true or not good or not consistent with... So, it's, okay, and of course, it's always got to be consistent with this. If it contradicts this, then throw it out right away. All right? But in the, in the, in the other things, hold on to what is good. Um, test it. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the Bible. And you don't have to worry that you're going to be following a David Koresh or a Jim Jones if you think like this or do these things because you're testing it because you're checking scripture because you're talking to other people you're praying about it god leads you and answers you all right what prevents us from hearing god's spirit speak i got three things number one sin and or unbelief and and what i mean by this is when we have closed the door okay especially with the unbelief part I'm not talking about somebody who has a little doubt. I'm not sure that's God. I'm not sure that's God's spirit. I have doubt all the time. Okay, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that say, no, God does not speak that way. That will keep us from hearing God's spirit speak. In Acts chapter 12, I'm more like Acts chapter, in the story, I won't, we won't have to take time to read this. The sermon's already too long. But in Acts chapter 12, uh, they're praying for Peter who's been thrown into prison. And Peter's escapes miraculously by an angel, you know. And it says the people, he goes to this house of Christians that is nearby, you know, because he knows there's Christians there. And they're praying fervently that God will help Peter. And then the servant sees Peter outside the door. And she says, Peter's here. And everybody that's praying for Peter to be, you know, for God to help Peter, they say, you're out of your mind. That's more like me. I'm praying, and sometimes I don't even have the faith about what I'm praying for. Uh, and yet, God still works. And so I'm not talking about doubt. I'm just talking about if you say God cannot or does not work that. God works patiently with doubt. But this sin or this unbelief, Acts 7, 51, says, You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever, result, uh, must you forever resist? The Holy Spirit. That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. This is Stephen's sermon to them 
right before they kill him and stone him. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? I sure pray that I, we do not forever resist the Holy Spirit. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Some versions say do not quench the Holy Spirit. We read that. We know that verse. Do we think about it? Do we ask ourselves, am I doing that? Am I stifling the Holy Spirit by the way I live or the way I think or what I teach? All right, secondly, besides sin and unbelief, we simply do not ask. We do not ask God's leading. We do not ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to show us or to confirm something for us. We just decide, hey, God doesn't work that way. I, God works better. He, give, he gave me a brain. He gave me the ability to make decisions, so I'm going to make a decision in my life. I'm afraid many times that's what we do. And uh, guess what? God lets us do that. We want to make our decisions. God allows us to make our decisions. Luke chapter 11. Uh, Jesus tells this long period of teaching, Luke chapter 11, 1 through 13. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So the chapter is about teaching us to pray but if you and, and during this chapter the next 10 or 12 verses Jesus is talking about uh you know if if God if if a if a son asks his father for a fish he's not going to give him a snake you know if he asks him for bread he's not going to give him a scorpion or so it's that kind of thing God gives good gifts and then in verse 13 of Luke chapter 11 uh it says this so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he, he starts out talking about prayer, and they ask him, teach us to pray. And then he talks about prayer and asking God, but then he ends it with, God is going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit if you ask. Um, if, if we ask, but many times we don't ask. Luke is focused on discipleship. And Luke is focused on the Holy Spirit. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote Acts. These passages that we let off with, with the Holy Spirit leading, you see that. Patrick's going to continue these sermons, and he's going to get into Acts even more about this and other areas. And Luke is focused on this, discipleship and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there was not a church, and there is not a church. Our relationship to the Spirit can become stronger by asking and praying, just like any relationship. It's, you know, if, if we close the door, you know, it's like two people who say their vows up here at a marriage and then they leave and they don't talk to each other again. How's the relationship going to be? It's not good and it is not going to last. And we cannot just leave the Holy Spirit uh, out of our relationship our discipleship it's about prayer it's not about performance it's about depending on God not just doing what we can with our own discipline and the third thing I have the way that keeps us from prevents us from hearing the Holy Spirit is our focus and what do I mean by that I mean that a lot of times you, you know what my focus is my cell phone and my cell phone leads me sometimes and guides me much more than the Holy Spirit uh, or the other side of my cell phone says, go pack, go. Some, sometimes I get distracted, you know, by other things. Uh, and, and so I, I can get all kinds of, 
my focus can get off of God and off of the Holy Spirit in a number of ways. Uh, and that's a constant battle for me. Sometimes our focus is on discipline, our to-do list, rather than listening. And that's a constant battle because, hey, I, get a t- I make a to-do list. And I get in here and I feel like I have to get these things done. And my focus becomes that and getting things done. And then I don't, maybe I miss the person or the thing that God is really wanting me to do at that moment or that day. Because I'm focused on my to-do list. Uh, it's a different way of thinking. And we have to open ourselves up to both. Yes, God, y- yes, you got to do your to-do list and you got to get things done. But we have to... Ask God, focus, God, are, are you wanting me to do something here? Um, and, and again, sometimes it's just our own discipline, our own work ethic that we're focused on, and sometimes that takes us away. Uh, I read a story, and I don't remember what book I read it in. I was, it was about the Holy Spirit. and It talked about a man that was coming to America, so years ago. Uh, he, saved, he saved his pennies. He saved all of his money in order to buy a ticket to get on a boat to come to America so that he could make his dreams come true. And he told his wife, he said, I only have enough money for one ticket. I'll get to America. I'll work hard uh, uh, and then I'll bring you. Uh, and so, I mean, he figured it to the penny. It's like he, he bought his ticket. It, took, it was going to take 12 days on the boat to, from where he was going to America. And so he said, I got to have a little money when I get there. But I'm, I'm spending pretty much everything I have. So he, had a wheel, he bought a wheel of cheese and some crackers for those 12 days on the boat. And he said, that's all, that's all I can afford. That's, I'm just going to have to make this wheel of cheese and these crackers last for the 12 days. And on the 12th day, you know, America's inside. He's, he's, he's thinking, okay, and, and the, the cheese was about gone and it was even more moldy than when it started. And then he's talking to someone on the ship and they said, said why haven't you joined us in the dining hall? You know, we, we always set a place with your name on it. Why didn't you join us in the dining hall for any of your meals? He didn't know that when he purchased the ticket that the meals were included. And so he never went and he never got to experience that and he, he was just working within his own power and his own discipline. Great discipline it was, and yet it wasn't. Enough. John 6, 63 says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. All right, wrapping this up, how do we apply this to our lives when we leave here? A part of the Woodbury Church of Christ Leaders Covenant, the new ministry leaders that we have, the new elders, uh, the rest of the elders, we, we have this at the very beginning of our leader's covenant. And it says this, I love it. It says, we promise to pray alone and together to thank God and to ask for God's help in our lives and in our work for our church. And we promise to listen to God's response to us. I love that. We promise to pray alone and together, and we promise to listen to God's response to us. We want to be a church led by the Holy Spirit. All right, 
So what would I say that we do? I, I would say just remember these things. Open the door to the Holy Spirit. Acts 28, 27 says, For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. We have to open the door to the Holy Spirit. Do not quench or stifle the Spirit. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. As Patrick said the last couple of weeks, the Spirit is present within you. What for? What for? What difference does the indwelling Holy Spirit make in our lives as disciples if we ignore it? If we say He doesn't speak that way, it's only through the Word. And you know He speaks through the Word. But if we ignore the indwelling, what what did God give us that gift for? Some people believe we don't use the Spirit or need the Spirit since we have the Bible, and it's a tragic misunderstanding. Lastly, if we live prayerfully, if we ask God and His Spirit to lead us, if we keep alert and listen, then God's Spirit will speak and lead. The Holy Spirit speaks with purpose when he speaks and there is no person and the purpose is this there is no person that God cannot reach and there is no person that God does not love and we want to be people with the indwelling Holy Spirit that God uses to reach people and to show one another love encourage one another and to show those that don't know him that same love None of this talk about the Holy Spirit would be possible without Jesus. Jesus bridges the gap. Jesus is the way. Jesus redeems our lives and makes us vessels prepared for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read Romans 8, 1 through 4. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save you because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. And then verse 4. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 through 4. Do you need strength? Do you need encouragement? Do you need wisdom or insight? God provides it if we ask Him. And He'll provide it through you and for you with other members of God's body. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for sending, not leaving us alone, but sending your Holy Spirit as an advocate, as a comforter, as a helper. Father, may we be in tune with your Spirit and keep in step with your Spirit. May we allow you to lead our lives as disciples and not just go off on our own. May you in 
encourage and reach and show love to the world through your people. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.